La Perouse spent the next eight days in Monterey, California, at the edge of the Spanish Empire, among the Franciscan missionaries and missions and the disappearing California native peoples interacting with said missions and missionaries. Despite official policy to keep others away from Spanish possessions, France and Spain were friendly at this time, and La Perouse was welcomed into the area. The hacienda of Governor Falles was opened to the weary travelers. Much like at Latua Bay, the men sprung into action and collected samples, made observations and maps, wrote down vocabularies of the native Esalen people near the mission, as well as reprovisioned the ship, which the Spanish aided them in. La Perouse was shown the Presidio, overlooking the bay, as well as the mission San Carlos Borromeo de Carmelo on the Carmel River. Father Fermin Francisco de los Juan had taken over from Junipero Serra, who had died two years prior. But the zeal to baptize and force the labor from the native population among the violence, sexual assault, kidnapping, I'm sorry, reduction, starvation, suppression of language, etc., remained an overriding impulse. An impulse with a long history that didn't go unremarked by La Perouse, as he was paraded through the grounds past the Esalen who were given double rations that didn't hide their own weary souls. It was very much the opposite of what Sebastian Vizcaino saw as he passed and charted and named Monterey back in 1603. Quote, the Indians are of a good stature and a fair complexion, the women being somewhat less in size than the men and of a pleasing countenance. End quote. La Berouse felt now that the friars saw their forced laborers as, quote, too much a child, too much a slave, too little a man. End quote. Welcome to Expeditions, a podcast around Lewis and Clark. We explore the history and historiography of the expedition, one day at a time. We are everywhere at Expeditions Pod, social media, Patreon if you want to support the show, and at our website. You are currently in Mile Marker 2, episode Bahia de los Pinos. Monterey was only 16 when La Perouse arrived. Though the mission moved to Carmel, it was originally established right next to the Presidio in June 1770. As Donald Jackson wrote, California had begun. But of course we know the Spanish have been in the New World, as it was called, since 1492. Columbus was sanctioned by the king and the queen. Velazquez took Florida, Balboa crossed the Isthmus of Panama in 1513. Ponce de Leon sailed to La Florida. But it was Juan de Grijalva, sighting the Mexican coast, where the history of the Americas swiftly turned on its axis. Cortez and Pizarro are considered the one-two punch, but they were over a decade apart. In between that time, Pineda sailed around the entire Gulf of Mexico, sighting the Mississippi. Espinosa sailed the west coast of Panama and Costa Rica. Davila explored Nicaragua. The San Miguel de Guadalupe colony in South Carolina came and went. The most famous incursion was 1527, Ponfilo Navarrez's doomed expedition into Florida. In the end, four people out of 600, Alvar Nunez Cabaza de Vaca. The most famous incursion was in 1527, Ponfilo Navarrez's doomed expedition into Florida. In the end, only four people out of 600, Alvar Nunez Cabaza de Vaca, Alfonso del Castillo Maldonado, Andres Durantes de Carenza and Durantes' enslaved Moor, Estevancio, emerged from the wreckage nine years later, in 1536. As if to prove that it couldn't happen twice, Hernando de Soto 
landed in Florida in 1539 with 600 men, though by the time they returned three years later in Mexico, they had half the number. We'll visit DeSoto's route as we cross it in the future. As DeSoto was wandering into Georgia and South Carolina, Francisco Vasquez de Coronado was departing on a major overland expedition to explore the northern frontier, searching for the cities of Cibolo, the seven cities of gold. Along with Coronado, Viceroy Antonio de Mendoza also sent Roy Lopez de Villalobos to the Philippines and Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo up the coast of California. Coronado, in between making war with the native Pueblo people, traveled through the states of Arizona, New Mexico, the Texas Panhandle, Oklahoma, and finally ending up in Kansas. Hernando de Alacron sailed up the Gulf of California to provision Coronado along the coast before he headed back east. He would, on this journey, sail up the Colorado River as far as Yuma. And he wasn't alone. Melchor Diaz was dispatched down the Gila River to the confluence with Coronado, but was informed that he had missed the rendezvous with Alacron. And Garcia Lopez de Cardenas traveled north and stood at the south rim of the Grand Canyon. Of course, Coronado never found Cibola, nor Quivivera, a wealthy people that he'd been told about from a native informant, the Turk, who was probably leading them to his people, the Wichita, the Pawnee, it's unclear, or hoping that they would get lost on the plains and he could disappear. It's believed that he stopped in central Kansas at Lyons. A missionary, Juan de Padilla, was killed here the following year and is considered the first martyr in the United States. An enormous cross is erected outside of Lyons, which you can visit today if that's your thing. These expeditions set the internal template for roughly a century. The immediate blitzkrieg into the Americas effectively halted on the Little Arkansas with Coronado. The scope of the Spanish Empire, as it was, already beginning its slow decline, would consolidate around the silver mines of Zacatecas and the frontier outposts of Santa Fe in Texas in order to maintain a buffer from the French and the British. Consolidation came slowly and unevenly to the Americas. The Amazon River would be sailed, Quito explored, Chile settled, St. Augustine founded, New Mexico conquered. In order to maintain the buffer, the Spanish looked to the west. To go back a couple of decades, after consolidating power in Mexico, Francisco de Ulloa proved that the island of California was a myth. This would be confirmed by Alarcón, though it would continue to appear on maps for centuries. As Donald Jackson writes of La Perouse, quote, He was highly critical of Spain's policy of secrecy around its American holdings when he called at Spanish ports. He complained that he would never have learned about Monterey, except for an English edition of the Journal of a Spanish Explorer, Francisco Moriel, who had sailed the California coast a decade earlier, end quote. Moriel was the pilot for Bruno de Jacita and our old friend from Nootka, Juan Francisco de la Bodega y Quadra, on their 1775 voyage as far north as Sitka Sound. The sound was just south of Latua Bay, where a future Russian colony of New Archangel, which we'll explore later, was established. They'd be the first Europeans to catch a glimpse of what would become known as the Columbia River, though they couldn't penetrate the Bahia de la Asuncion, as they called the treacherous Columbia Bar. 
It was a long 236 years between these events, mainly because the Spanish were confident in their extensive land claims and they didn't feel like they needed to, nor could they really, settle the extensive coast, though the mission era expanded the reach of the state into Northern California. Hasita and Cuandra's voyage north was the same impulse that led Dominguez and Escalante during their expedition out in 1776 that mapped the old Spanish trail across the Four Corners area. Along with its predecessor in Juan Rivera, these were attempts that connect Santa Fe and the internal provinces to the coastal missions, especially at Monterey, if not to expand those missions. Though, time was running out. Occupy and fortify San Diego and Monterey for God and King of Spain, Carlos III demanded in 1768. Gaspar de Portola, the governor of the Californias, that is Alta and Baja, marched from Loreto to San Diego with the infamous friars Juan Crespi and Junipero Serra, picking up the ruthless Pedro Fajes, among others, along the way. They would travel as far as San Francisco before turning back and stopping at a wooden cross that Crespe and Serra had planted near Pintos Point. Though the mission moved, it operated in lockstep with the state. La Perouse, the first non-Spaniard European in California, lamented, quote, a friend to the rights of man rather than theology, I would have wished that there had been joined to the principles of Christianity a way of governing that might gradually have made citizens of men whose conditions at present scarcely differs from that of the Negroes of our colonies, end quote. Would it not be possible, he continued, quote, for ardent zeal and extreme patience to demonstrate to a few families the advantages of a society founded on the right of the people, to establish among them the possession of property so attractive to men, and by this new order of things to engage everyone to cultivate his fields to the best of his ability or to direct his efforts to some other employment, end quote. And so it was that La Perouse and his men observed the protocols that none of them knew were coming to an end, slowly but surely. The missions wouldn't cease their cultural genocide until the first Mexican Republic ended their reign in 1833. With a fully reprovisioned ship, they sailed out of Monterey Bay on September 22, 1786, due west for 100 days along the island-free Galleon route to Asia. Mm-hmm. 